ever heard anyone say to you, uh, sin is sin? Yeah, it's not, it's not just me, is it? That's kind of Christian circles. I mean, maybe it's just that our church that this gets said. I don't think it is. I think it's a, anyone from another church or another country that's heard, and, you know, that, oh, sin is sin. Yeah, no? Yeah, we've all kind of heard it. We've all said it, yeah? Is sin, sin? Are some sins worse than others? Some sin, oh, hold that, hold that there, hold that there. <laughs> okay, that's good, that's good. We've got everyone thinking. All right, what about, are there any sins that you've committed that you worry about? Let me ask you that question. Because there's, there's sins that I've committed that I've worried about. I'm not saying I always worry about them, but there's sins that I've done and I'm, I'm like, I worry about it. That doesn't mean I should be worrying or it's right, but there are sins that I've done and that I worry about. Okay, but the question is, is sin sin? Can I ask you, right, can we remove that phrase from the... Christian, excuse me, cliche, kind of book of cliches when we're wanting to teach someone or help someone who comes to us and they're worried about something. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why, okay? I'm going to go through five points about sin this morning. I, I, I didn't actually know, when I got the title for this sermon, I didn't know what the sermon was about, which might sound a bit crazy because it's kind of the clues in the title, isn't it? You know what I mean? But I just got the title. It was like God just downloaded the title and went, this is, this is the title for your next sermon. Go and research it. Go and work out what to say type of thing. I mean, it's clearly not quite like that, is it? I'm not like, you know, obviously it's prayer and the Bible and all of that stuff, but I'm talking colloquially. Quillocally, can't even say the word. You know what I mean anyway. Sin is not sin. Let me give you an example, Okay. Some of you are old enough, some of you may not know, some of you may have heard of this, but you don't really know what it is. There was a couple in the 60s, 70s called Myra Hindley and Liam Brady. Okay, I, I need to give a little bit of a warning. This is, I'll try not to be too graphic, but it's hard not to be too graphic because this is one of the worst crimes in, in British history. It, it, you know, it, if you've not heard of this, maybe you're new to the country, you've heard it, you don't know much about it. I'm not going to go into detail. I have to give some details because of how heinous it was. The, this is a couple that got together, not actually too far from here, not, not 20 miles or so from here. And they basically abducted, I should have checked how many children, but it was a number of children. We're on about more than a dozen, I think. And they abducted them, sexually abused them, tortured them. They recorded it. Now, this is going back to the 60s, 70s. So this was on tape. The tapes were played in, 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 the, in the trial, and, and this, was, this was shocking stuff. You're on about hardened reporters sobbing in the gallery as these tapes were being played of children, five, six, seven, eight years old, begging for their life. That's the kind of crime we're talking about. This was awful. They buried the, the bodies in the moors. If any of you have ever been on the M62, you've seen that weird house in the middle of the motorway. Somewhere around there in them fields, there's still to this day a body there that's hidden, that the mother died not knowing where the son was buried, despite begging Liam Brady to tell them, and he refused. 
Okay, so compare that, right, to the pen that you accidentally took home from work. You got home and you realize, oh, I brought my pen home. It's in my pocket. It's work pen. I'm not even going to bother taking it back. It's only a pen. It doesn't matter. What, what, what's it worth? A couple of pens. Sin is sin, right? What? Are you telling me those two are, are, are the same? Like, seriously, is anyone seriously trying to tell me that, you know, taking a pen home and deciding, I mean, you could argue that's a callous act, deciding, you know what, I'm not even going to bother taking that back to work. You know, it's only a couple of pens. I'm just going to keep it. That's, that's wrong, right? It's a couple of pens. Who, who cares in one sense? You know, a couple of pens. If, if your boss found that, he'd probably laugh about it. He might not even be bothered. He might not even care about it. Are you telling me, are we seriously trying to say that those two things are in any way, <laughs> in any way the same? Are we saying that sin is sin? That those two things are the same? Really? It's factually incorrect to say that sin is sin. It's not. It's not, right, God's not binary. And I don't mean binary as in some of the stuff you hear in the press about binary and non-binary. I'm not about that stuff. I'm on about God's not like on or off. You know, he's just like, that's it, and black and white, and there's nothing else in the middle. God created everything, every color in the spectrum, everything God created, right? So he knows the, the interest intricacies, I can say that word, he knows the intricacies of everything. He understands it more than we ever could. And, and don't get me wrong, we were created in his image, so we understand it. So when you're there and you're thinking, oh yeah, hold on, that's messing with my theology a little bit, because I've heard it said sin is sin. I've even said it to others, oh yeah, you know, when someone's come and maybe you're witnessing to someone, maybe you're telling them about God and, and they've said, oh, you know what, maybe you're doing it from the point of view, they've said, well, I'm really good, I don't do anything wrong. And you've gone, yeah, but what about that pen you took home from work that you didn't take back? You know, sin, sin. And, and you're telling them and you're using that to say, well, you know, yeah, you're still going to hell because you took a pen home from work. And I'm not trying to say, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not going down the route of saying for some reason, like, you know, the taking the pen home from work is okay and we shouldn't be raising our standard. And, being, and, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. I don't want to give too much away too early. I've got a whole sermon to get through here. But sin is not sin. They're not all the same. Like, if, if you think about it, we all know deep down, it's ridiculous to, to, to kind of try and say that taking a pen and keeping it from work is the same as what those heinous, oh, whoa, wow. All sin is not equal, but all sin can be forgiven. Okay? And, and if, you, if you're there and you're tempted and you're trying to say to someone, you know, you're trying to talk about and you're trying to use that example of the pen that they took home from work, you know what I mean? Listen, you can try saying this instead, all sin is, is significant. All sin matters. But the idea of sin is sin and it's, it's all sin and, you know, let's badge it all under the same umbrella. Come on, we've got to raise our game, church. We're in a war. We're in a battle, right? And it matters what we say. If we just callously use cliches to explain Christianity that aren't even factual compared to the Word of God... We're not doing our job properly, are we? If you really care about, about you know, evangelism or, or, or truth 
or Christianity or discipleship or you name it, being holy, any of these things, then we've, we've got to raise our game a little bit, haven't we? And if there's something there that we've been saying that ain't quite right, we need to challenge it and we need to make sure we get it right and we need to know the basis of why we're saying what we're saying. 1 John 5, 16 to 17, if anyone, so this is John speaking, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. Just going to mess with you. If you think what I've just said so far is messing with your theology, right? Listen to this for a minute. Probably, probably read this, many of you, and, and you know, just maybe, maybe look, oh, I don't quite understand that and just carried on. You know what I mean? Don't quite get that and I'll carry on. And that's okay. Sometimes there's stuff we don't get and we have to just carry on and accept. I don't understand that. God's bigger than me. I'm not going to understand everything. But listen, he says, if, if anyone sees a brother committing a sin, lead, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. Sins that don't lead to death. This is in the Bible. There is a sin that leads, oh, sorry, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. Have you heard this? Like, did you hear what I just said? What I just read? <clears throat> All wrongdoing is sin. It's sin. The pen is sin. Not the pen itself, you, you get what I mean, right? But there's a sin that does not lead to death. Complicated stuff, this, isn't it? Right, if that's confusing, don't worry. I'm not preaching on that, right? Because that's a whole flipping series, that one right there. That's, that's, that's complicated, okay? I'm not preaching on that, so let's not get too bogged down in that. Other than I'll just say, if you're like, I don't understand that. Maybe you're a Bible theologist and you get it and you know and you're like, hey, Barry, I could come up here and I could give us a couple of weeks. I could explain that to the congregation. Fantastic. But that's not the point of this morning. The point is, or the first point I want to make is that sin is not sin. But sin is messy. And so if you're there and you're a bit offended by that, that that's, that's like messing with your theology. And like, why, why on earth did God put that out there in the Bible? Is he messing with my head? What, what, what is he trying to do here? Because I don't understand that. And I want to explain that to someone. Let me tell you, the explanation, one of the explanations is really simple. Sin's messy. Because God didn't create sin. Think about that for a moment. Sin is messy because God didn't create it. It's not like God went, let's create the world, the heavens and the earth, and in Genesis, and, and on day six and a half, and God created sin. Anyone read that bit? No, because it ain't in there, is it? God didn't create sin. Now, you could get into who created sin, and you could call it the devil, you could call it us, you name it, free will, all of that stuff. The point is, the point I want to make is, God didn't create sin. It's not his mess but he's cleaning it up, right? It ain't his mess, but he's cleaning it up. So don't blame God for sin or for the consequences of sin or the effects of sin or any of that stuff. God's just dealing with it because God gets his hands dirty. He's not one of them people that goes, oh, I ain't getting involved in that. We'll leave that, that's below me. We'll leave someone else to get involved in that. No, God gets right down in there and he's dealing with it. And it's difficult. And actually, he got crucified for it. Think about that. Wow. And it's messy in the dirty sense of the word. Yeah, the dirty sense of the word. 
The second point I want to raise about sins, five points, and we're going to have the usual little bonus point at the end. Well, just five points about sin. Could have done 25 easily, not a problem. That, that would have been so simple to do, but we're just going to limit it at five. Second one is that sin changes you. Right? Just think for a moment. Sin, it changes you. This is serious. Like, you know, I mean, for those of you, I, I'm, I'm calling on people who've been coming to this church for longer than me even. Some of you as long as me or similar kind of length, right? Like a, a, a sermon entitled Sin or just about sin, it's not something we do every week, is it? You know, it's so, so this ain't like, you know, if, you, if it's your first time, we don't preach sin every single week, okay? But we don't ignore the topic either and never talk about it. We might refer to it in sermons and, you know, give it its right significance. But this week, it's, it's about it, right? But it changes you. And it's important because it's serious stuff. It ain't like, you know, in year, year, people say things like, I'll see you in hell on the movies, don't you? And they're like, ah, yeah. In fact, I was, I was doing, obviously, do quite a bit of research when I'm going to preach. And, and some of the stuff I came across was quite shocking, really. And, and one of the most shocking was some guy, he's famous, or infamous, or relatively famous. I mean, he's not like flipping, you know, John Lennon or something like that, right? But he, he, he you know, I'm sure he thinks he's famous. And, and he got on stage, and he's like, you know, ah, he's just some saintist or something, and he's, I think he's a singer or something. And he ate the Bible, or he ate pages of the Bible. Thought he was being funny, and you know what I mean, and all of that kind of stuff, right? And, and so, you know, he, he's getting right down in there, and, and, and he's doing all of that kind of stuff. There's some dirty, different, disgusting stuff, right? Sin changes you. And if you're there thinking, well, that's okay, because, like, you know, the next bit is that that's okay, because God kind of just, you know, changes you back and erases all of that. Right, God forgets your sins, yeah? But let me tell you, you don't. I've been a Christian 20 odd years, right? I've committed plenty of sins before being a Christian and plenty since being a Christian, right? And, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, there's none that like, have been erased from my brain that I don't kind of remember. It's like it's suddenly gone. I'm, you know, I'm like this weird robot thing that can just, you know, commit a sin and then I say a prayer and it's, I'm like, what? What did that? That wasn't me. What are you on about? You know what I mean? I never did that. It's gone. I don't even remember that. Like, it changes you. It affects you. You can't just erase it from your memory. Yes, God don't forget it because he can, he's able, he's got that ability to forget things, but you don't. You can't just commit sins and then just like act as if it never happened and just move on. There's consequences to sin. Not just for you. Like, where do the consequences end? It's like the butterfly effect. It could travel around the globe, one man's sin. It could affect generations, one man's sin. Many have. There are sins that people have committed that have affected generations. This is serious stuff. It's not just some topic that, hey, you know what? And, and listen, here's what happens, right? So, People don't like to be talked to about sin. So what happens is, it's a bit like at school, isn't it, right? You know, we would all agree, if you're a parent in here, you want order in school, don't you? 
You don't want kids just being able to do what they want in school, right? That might sound good, but if your son or daughter comes home and someone gouged their eye out, literally, right, you're going to want that dealing with, aren't you? You're going to, you, you know, like it sounds good. And, and I, I know people, or used to know people, I don't really know them anymore, that, that were just anarchists. They, they hated the police. As far as they were concerned, you know, the police, you should just get, do away with them. And they just detested the police. Like, that's ridiculous. The idea of just not having, you know, law and order and everything is just, is, is ludicrous. It's ridiculous, right? It's serious stuff. It's, and, and, we, we've got, and so what happens then is with those things that we don't like in school, if you're a bully and you want to carry on getting away with bullying, right, guess what you do? You say to the people you're bullying, you say, you tell anyone you're a grass. Yeah? And so then they go, oh, I better not tell anyone because I'm a grass and that's wrong. And actually what they're doing is just controlling you. And so what the world has done or the devil has cleverly done, he's done it in loads of different areas. He's gone, we shouldn't talk about sin because people don't like it. If you talk about sin, you're a Bible basher or you're this or you're that or you're the other. So what do we do? We don't talk about sin. And, and listen, there's an argument to say we, we need to be careful and we need to be a bit wise about it and stuff like that. But it's not that we should never talk about it. There's consequences to sin. And so for that reason, we need to. It changes you. Let me give you some of the, uh, just a couple of points where it changes you. It quenches the Holy Spirit within you. And, and listen, I, again, could have done a massive list. Just going to pick out a few. Uh, there's arguably some that are more important, less, whatever. It quenches the Holy Spirit within you. Like, think about that for a moment. That, that your sin can stop the Holy Spirit. I, I'm not sure it stops the Holy Spirit. I, I personally would look at it that the Holy Spirit decides, well, I'm stepping back from that there for a bit. No, you know, just step back for a little bit, you know, and not completely, doesn't like abandon you completely and leave you alone completely, but quenches, like quenches, like to restrict, to inhibit, to reduce, to hinder. It hinders the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, sin. It's in Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. I'll give you that, go and read one Thessalonians 5. It can cause your prayers to be unanswered. Sin. Like, we're going, why ain't God answering my prayers, right? Well, there's the answer. Psalm 66, 18 tells us it can cause your prayers not to be answered. And I know you might, some of you, some of the theologians might go, oh, yeah, but that's Old Testament, we're New Testament, all of that. Well, it's still in there. And, and if, if, if sin quenches the Holy Spirit, then I'm sure that's probably one of the consequences of it, eh? Uh, you know, I'm going to venture out there on that one. It says, it says he won't hear. It says he'll be deaf to your prayers. Wow. Maybe that's because you've quenched the Spirit, eh? Oh, one, of the, one of the big ones, I suppose as a pastor, I suppose this one for me is, is fellowship. So if you think about it, right, imagine... I've, I've used this analogy before, so forgive, you, forgive me if you've heard it before. Uh, not for a while, though, to be fair. S imagine you, you owe someone some money. Yep. I saw an example of this literally in the last 24 hours. It wasn't on the money side, but it was a similar example. Say you owe someone money, all right? And you, 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 know, you agree to pay it back, and you can't for whatever reason. 
all right? And then you're walking down the street, you see them coming the other way. They've not seen you, but you see them. What do you reckon you might do? Yeah, I don't have to t- finish that story there, do I? And, and, and it, it, that's why sin stops fellowship with God and with each other. So your sin can cause you, sin has been a, a direct contributor. You know when you hear about people leaving church and they say it's because of the church, it's because of this, because of that. Let me tell you a fact, right? Let me tell you an absolute fact. I've seen it. This is my testimony, right? I'd say 90% of the time, it's because of their own sin. It's their own sin. Pride, don't want to be told, don't like authority, you name it. Not that we're an authoritarian church. I don't believe anyway, but some of you might disagree, but hey, you know, you name it. it, it there's a whole load of things, and, and it will cause them not to come. And they just go, I ain't going there anymore. Because they can't be humble, they can't swallow the pride, they can't deal with issues, you name it. And then they'll move on to another church, and then that'll be okay in their mind, and they'll think everything's all right. Is is my belief, is I'm going to tell you this right now. If you leave church for any other reason than the Holy Spirit telling you and the leadership agreeing that you should leave and move on, right? And I'm not on about calling this, you know, saying, oh, yeah, you should, you know, I'm I'm not trying to hold people and say they can't move on if there's an issue or there's, you know, there's a genuine reason the Holy Spirit wants them to, not if there's an issue. If there's an issue, we should deal with it, shouldn't we? Let's rewind on that. If there's an issue, let's deal with it. Let's sort it out. We're Christians, brothers, sisters, family. We should be dealing with this stuff. Remember, I've left my cap on. Yeah, sorry, Vic. Sorry, Vic. I know, I didn't mean to leave it on. Um, Yeah, so deal with it, right? And and then just kind of move on, you know? But the only reason you should be leaving is look to the book of Acts and when when they sent them out. Like, they prayed. The Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit spoke to all of them individually, you know, and, and they all knew and they were all like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Spirit wants to send you out here, wants to send you out there, stuff like that. If, you, if you're going to go for the wrong reasons, don't think it's not going to affect you. It will. It will affect you. It will affect you. Point three. Couldn't avoid this one. Um, it was impossible to avoid. And, and let me, just before I do say right, what point three is, let me tell you, right, this, this point here, okay, I, I have said to, to, to people who've got up and preached and stuff like that, just recently, because we have talked about this a few times recently. So w- I want us to be careful. I don't want it to become something that we're mentioning every single week. because and, and it would be very easy to do it because of what's going on in the world, okay? And, and so I, I don't want us to not mention it, but I don't want us to be mentioning it every week and talking about it all the time. I want us to be wise and sensitive around this subject because it's become a difficult subject to talk about, obviously. I mean, you could argue it always has been a difficult subject to talk about, but it's sexual sin, okay? Sexual sin. Sexual sin is like no other sin. The devil's made it a key battleground in the world. That's what he's done. He's made it a key battleground. And if you think it's just about one individual area, it's about a whole load of areas, and we've talked about some of them recently, okay? But let me give you some verses. I'll just let the Bible talk about this one. It's probably the easiest way. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20. Flee. And if you think, hey, this is the... Well, actually, we'll go to that in a minute. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person 
sins against his own body. Right? Or do you not know that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. There are spiritual consequences to sexual immorality. Spiritual consequences. You are not your own. That little bit in the middle there was me, by the way, just commenting on it. We're back to the Bible now. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Amen? Our desires are not always good. This idea that if you have a desire, that somehow that should mean it's right and it's okay because this is a desire I have, that does not make it right. If someone's told you that, I'm sorry, they are lying to you. And you need to desperately seek the truth and find that for yourself. Just because I want to nick the pen, just because I think I should be able to take that home from work, doesn't mean it's right or okay. It's not like your choice of car. You don't get to choose the color or the style. Or I didn't mean color as in race, by the way. I just meant, you know, talking about cars there, obviously. It's not like the color or the choice of car or anything like that. We don't get to decide. God made that decision for us right at the very beginning. And he ain't changed it. And think about this, right? This is a fact. You realize this. Almost every book in the Bible condemns and denounces sexual immorality. Almost every book in the whole Bible. There's, o- there's only a few that don't. So if you're thinking, ah, oh, you know what? That's this or that's that or that's the other. Almost every book in the Bible condemns sexual immorality in some form or another. The Bible is consistent from beginning to end about this sin. It is, it is arguably, it's not the worst sin, but it's right up there. It is, and I mean right up there. Okay, I don't want to start getting into grading them and stuff like that. But it is, believe me, this is right up there. It's right at the top. And some of the harshest words in the Bible are about this as well. Some of the harshest words in terms of the kind of stuff that scares the pants off you. And you're like, you're struggling to sleep at night because you're thinking, please, I don't want that to happen to me. Number four. And this is one, this is a, a question I've been asked many times. And it's a common question in, in, in churches, Christians, even non-Christians. Uh, anyone already thought of this one, I wonder? And, and so I wonder about this one, or maybe you've thought about it. You say, I can't imagine there's a person in the room who's not read this and not thought about this one and not, you know, kind of tried to work it out and all that. The unforgivable sin. Okay, yeah, you, you've heard of that one. For those of you that haven't, uh, Jesus talks about <clears throat> there being, you know, every sin can be forgiven apart from there's an unforgivable sin. And, and I'm like, like, when you think about that, like, there's an unforgivable sin. Because, like, you know, we're New Testament. We preach that every sin can be forgiven. And it's funny, right? In that paragraph, he says all sins can be forgiven. But then he goes on to say, except this one. So that makes it pretty serious, doesn't it? Like, every sin can be forgiven, except this one. It's like, watch out for this one. And, and here's all, all I don't want to, well, let me give you a little bit of background. 
what happened was he was speaking to a group of, they were called Pharisees at the time. They were, um, you'd call them, they call, or they called themselves spiritual leaders, okay? They'd appointed themselves and set themselves up as spiritual leaders. And, and Jesus has come, and they're a little bit kind of upset about what's going on here because they've got all the authority and the power and the privilege and everything. And then Jesus turns up and starts doing the most incredible miracles and suddenly crowds of people are following him. Mark 3 is one example where it's mentioned. And it, like not far before, it, it talks about that crowds of people are following him. He's appointed disciples. He's going, you know, he's healing people. You name it, performing miracle after miracle after miracle. And people are looking to him. And, and the Pharisees, they say, yeah, you're doing all of that. This is the Pharisees, let me be clear on this. You're doing all of that by the power of Satan. That's what they say to him. They say, yeah, all that that you're doing, you're doing it by the power of Satan. And then he, he talks about it. And in fact, the, for the, at the very end of this little paragraph, there's not time to read it all, he ends with this. He says, this is Mark 30, 30. He says, for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So he, he talks about it and says all sins can be forgiven except this one. And, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit just for time. And then he, he winds up by saying, for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So if you're going around saying that Jesus has an unclean spirit, and that he's doing his power by the devil, right? In other words, he's not really God, he's the devil. Then you, you, you're in tricky waters there. Uh, let me just kind of say that, right? That, that is something you need to be rightfully fearful of and, um, you know, and really get down on your knees in, in fear and trembling, to be frank. I, I know I'm not joking here. I, I would be down on my knees in fear and trembling and I'd be praying and I'd say to God, because here's the thing, right? No one on earth is going to harm you, like as that I know of. Anyway, I ain't going to come and, and you know with an axe and start attacking you or anything like that, right? Not me. You need to be scared of, or anyone that you need to be scared of. This is spiritual. This is about consequences. This is about eternal consequences. The end of our lives and this all all that happens for all eternity after. And, and it's so serious stuff in it. They accuse Jesus effectively of being possessed by Satan. So, and I'm saying that to reassure you, because if anyone's there thinking, oh my goodness, I think I've, forget, I've, I've, I think I've committed the unforgivable sin. There's no way back for me, right? It's unlikely if you're saying that that you have. If you're saying those words, it's unlikely that you have. If you're saying them in a fearful, like, God, I, 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 I'm, I'm scared, you know, and you, you're kind of talking to him, you, you, or you, you want to say to him, maybe you're even too scared to speak to him, but in your heart, you're like, oh my goodness, I, like you're worried, you're concerned, you probably haven't, to be honest, okay? It's the people who really don't care, who are eating pages out of the Bible and stuff like that, that, that I think need to be more concerned about that one. But I, my, my view, and, and I, I think the best wisdom that you could possibly give is that, that God is to be feared. I don't 
know it's not something we like to talk about, but it's to be feared. That's a healthy thing. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. Life, it's so many things. Number five, the wages of sin. Come on. Most of you could, could, could tell me that and finish that sentence off. The wages of sin is death. It's death. It's death. It, and it's wages. You've earned it. And I know that, uh, this has been preached many times, but it's, it's so true. It's such a... Death only appeared because of sin. No sin, no death. That's why I don't believe in evolution. No sin, no death. Not millions of years of death. You may as well forget the Bible if that, that doesn't add up. This doesn't work. Because sin is a, sorry, death is a consequence of sin. It's because of sin. If it ain't because of sin, we don't really need a savior, do we? Surely not. James, in his very first chapter of his book, just one book, James, and in the very first chapter, he says this, he says, verse 15, sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So it might not start you might not see it initially. You might think, oh, I've got away with this. You know, I've, I've nicked a pen and, and no one said anything at work. And then you nick another pen. Yeah, yeah, and then, then you're like, oh, these pens, these are great. I've, I've got a bag full of pens at home and no one's going to miss this, this piece of equipment. And then you start taking that and, you know, and then you take a bit more. No one knows and it just gets bigger and bigger. Isn't this how we see it all the time? Is this how, is there, you know, is really anyone who just starts off big, you know, like, like they just literally walk in and rob a bank. First sin, first thing they've ever done wrong, they walk in, they rob a bank. And they just like carnies, sawn off shotgun, you name it, and they're right in there. And that's the first, right up until that, they've never done a thing wrong. They just broke in one moment, that was it. I mean, that's pretty rare, isn't it? Starts with the pen, doesn't it? And then gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and just eats away and where just, listen, just a couple of verses to end with, because clearly the band are up, so it's my time to get down. Little children, 1 John 3, 7 to 10, let's end with this. Guys, get ready. We'll, we'll end with this. Someone want to take the pulpit down even. Um, little children, let no one deceive you. These are the traps of life that we're talking about this morning. The traps of life. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. As he is righteous as in God. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So if you're practicing righteous, you're righteous. If you're practicing sinning, you're of the devil. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil? Whoever doesn't practice righteousness is not of God, 
nor is the one who does not love his brother. Listen to that again. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. And he, as he is righteous, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. This ain't a command for you to follow. This ain't something right. So I'm, I want to be of God, so I've got to start being righteous. This is, if you're of God, you will be righteous. This is a statement of fact. This isn't something you try and do or you work really hard to do. This is a consequence of being of God, of committing your life to God. And notice it says practicing. It doesn't mean you'll never, ever commit a sin. It doesn't mean that people who are evil are always evil. It's a practice of sinning and a practice of not sinning. If you're of God, it will be a consequence of that. The, the issue isn't to work really hard to be good. The issue is be aligned with God. Be in fellowship with God. And all of that stuff will just follow. It'd be like that, that, that meat that's so succulent, it just falls off the bone. You don't have to pull it off. It's just falling off. It's so succulent. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. That's not a, a, you know, it's something you should do or a standard you should rise to. It is a consequence. It is just a fact. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. So it, he cannot keep on sinning. In other words, he probably will sin at some point. He probably will sin in a, you know, in a number of occasions. But he can't just keep on doing it. Because God's seed abides in him. This, by this, it is evident who are the children of God. Listen to this, Psalm 37, 23 to 24. The steps of a man are established. That means appointed, rendered sure, proper and prosperous. The steps of a man are established, appointed, ordered by the Lord. We may think that we're choosing our life and doing it all. No, no, no. God establishes, we then do it. God is the one who orders the things you're going to do. We're the ones who then carry it out. You're, it's a bit like saying your job, God got you that. You're the one that's actually going into work and doing it. And obviously you could go down and drill into that to the nth degree. Our ways are ordered by the Lord. And the final point, the sixth point is this, that the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God, the gift, the free gift. Thank you, Lord. What a great ending. Oh, what a great ending. I'd love to say I, I kind of came up with the ending. Obviously, it wasn't me. It was God, wasn't it? But the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.